build that in labor or build those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today, and we just thank you for this word. And, and Father, I know that it's to be spoke today. And Lord, I, I thank you that it's following on ears that will receive, hearts that will be open, eyes that will see. And Father, we claim victory in our lives today. Father, for anyone that's not saved, that they would choose you today. For anyone that needs to renew or refresh, that they'll be new, renewed and refreshed today. Father, that those that may have been taken a, another step closer to you in the relationship, but, but maybe even to ministry, Lord, we pray for those here today. Father, that you minister to each person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point I wanted to share with you today is called labor pains, and you can follow along online if you want, like through our Oakton Bible app, download it. The sermon notes are there, but, but point one, labor pains, or as the word said today, laboring in vain. When you look up the word labor in vain and what that means there, it's a concept that's usually translated words that mean nothing. In other words, nothing Laboring in vain is nothingness. It's, it's nothing. It's unreliable. And what the word of God's saying here today is living without God in full control of your life, taking control by yourself and being self-ruled is in vain. But, but we need to live a life with God and it will be prosperous. It will be great. It will be good. Nothingness is the absence of life. The termination of life, if you want to dig a little bit deeper on this word of vain. And so God is trying to tell the people, trying to tell us that we need to go through these labor pains and press into him, break through into a relationship with him. As I was looking at my own life and as I was growing up and that, that at age 12, I was called into being what I am now. And, and I remember those labor pains that I was going through that I wanted to find satisfaction in some other things. And I wanted to try it my way first. And, and I looked back and all those things were in vain. I thought to myself, if I could just have this new truck. And I'll never forget going out and dad and me went out and I bought my new truck. It was the Chevy S10. But I can remember when I got the first payment on that truck that I was unsatisfied. That truck doesn't give me satisfaction. Actually, it was really a good purchase for me, but it was something that I could afford, but it put a strain on my life because of the debt. I was unsatisfied. So I said to myself, oh, if I could just find me that girl. None of us have ever done that, have you? And I found that girl, dated her a year, and she broke my heart. 
I was unsatisfied. I was without hope. I was in despair. I thought to myself, if I'll just do great in sports, and so I've made the football team accomplish what I wanted to do there, accomplish what I wanted to do in track. I went on to college and even held college records and, and played some traveling ball. But in the end, I was unsatisfied. I wasn't fulfilled. And, and those things were in vain because it wasn't what brought me total satisfaction. And I'm not saying those things are wrong, but I'm just saying our priorities get out of whack sometimes. And, and we won't be satisfied unless God's in control and then be the best athlete in the world. But I moved on in life and I was seeking popularity, the party life. And I thought, man, if I could just have popularity, you know, I'll be satisfied. But as we all know that I was unsatisfied because God wasn't where I wanted him to be in my life where God wanted to be in my own life as well. And that takes us into point two, good or God deal. Good or great deal. In other words, I believe that we can, you know, as I did grow in and finally give my life to the Lord and finally uh, uh, move into that relationship with him, I moved from that poor life into a good life. And a good life is good and because in Jesus Christ, we see in the scripture today that, that Jesus gives to his beloved sheep. And the Lord really jumped out at me this morning in that in Psalms 127 too, that, that we are the beloved sheep. Jesus loves us so much that he came after us. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus after us. We're the beloved sheep. And when we press into him and we move into him, we're going to have good things. We're going to have a good life. When we sing about it today, when your spirit moves, good things happen. You're going to bless. And we need to recognize that today, that God wants to take us from a vain life, a, a lame life, a poor life into a good life because we're his beloved sheep. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, God desires that all men would be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. In 2 Peter, I believe, 3, 9 talks about that God is patient with us because he desires all people to be saved, again, to know him. Jesus is slow to return because he wants as many people saved as possible because people are beloved to him. So if we want this good life, we just need to press in to God and the desires of God's heart. And guys, I tell you, the desires of your heart are the desires of God's heart for you. When you're a believer, your spirits are meshing together. And that may sound complicated today, but, but God knows your desires for your life better than you do. We can chase after all these things that are good and live a good life, but God knows your life your desires better than you do. In Psalms 37, 4, the word says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What the word is saying is God knows what makes you tick. 
Psalms 37, 5 goes on to say, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not over the one who prospers in his way. And a lot of times we're looking around and seeing what's going on in everybody, our, everybody else's lives when we just need to be patient and seek the Lord and find out what his desires are for your life. And you can move from a good life of salvation into his complete plan and package for your life. The desires he has for you. Seniors, God's got a plan for your life and it's your desires. It's your heart because he knows you well. And we just need to give in to him and to just delight in him and rest in him. So what I'm trying to build is here is we go from a poor life of unsalvation, a vain life into salvation to the good life. And we can have a good life with the Lord, but I believe the more we give to him, it can be a God life or a great life. And I want to move into point three is stuck in a rut. The Lord really placed this on my heart this morning more than, than anything that a lot of Christians get stuck in the good life. We get stuck in the rut that, yeah, God is great. God is good. Man, I praise his name. I love him. Look at the way he's blessing me. We got a good life. We got a successful life. But I believe we get struck, stuck in that a lot of times because it's, uh, it's peaceful maybe. But I think a lot of times we like that good life and that, that happy-go life because we desire the approval of a man more than the approval of God. In other words, to, to go from that great or that good life of salvation into the great life of God, we got to quit thinking and caring what men think and start caring more about what God thinks. And that's part of the reason I'm wearing this shirt today. Uh, 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 I felt the Lord told me to put it on to show you where God's taken me in life. But as I put it on, I, I felt it, looked, it didn't look awkward on me. And I'm very uncomfortable in it. And so I was reaching out for the for admiration of men and Brother Joe, Pastor Joe, the encourager, walks in my office. And I said, Brother Joe, tell me, how does this shirt look on me? He goes, I wouldn't wear it. <laughs> but then he quickly added in and said, but you can pull it off. Now, how do you take that? You know, I wouldn't wear it, but, but you can pull it off, Pastor. But that's what we do with our life. It's a good life and things are going good, but we don't want to move into the great life, that perfect will and calling of God that will bless you beyond comprehension. I'm not saying that the good life, you're not saved. I'm just saying there's a greater life. That when we're walking fully in God's submission. But we got to quit think, or worrying about what men say. My wife even come to the altar today. But she was really wanting prayer. And we were praying for a situation. Uh, God put some God moments in our life this past week that were awesome. And we were just praying together about them. And she was getting up to walking away. She says, oh, by the way, lose the shirt. What am I supposed to do? Just take the shirt off? That would be worse, you know. And I'm thinking, 
Come on, come on. She's trying to defend herself over here now. But how do you lose the shirt? You know? And I, I said, thanks, honey. Uh, it's kind of late now. But I thought, I'm going to button this shirt up and wear it because I don't care what people think. And you look great. And I look great. Yay! <laughs> come on, guys. Give me more than that. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding you. Uh, I don't. I do desire your praise. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But I didn't recognize this, and and I'm still working in this, that God's got a great life for us. And that we can be good Christians but get stuck in a rut. And, and, And God's got a great life for us, a good life. And I'll never forget that, that God had placed me, and you guys know my story. I worked at Freeman for 13 years. God blessed me. It was a great life, or good life. I had it made. I could have retired at 50. Uh, uh, just a great, good life. And the Lord started tugging on my heart, and I was unsatisfied. I can remember the last year of driving back and forth, literally crying on especially Monday mornings or after a good revival, crying on the way to the work, to a good job and a good life when my spirit wanted a great life and a God life. And I can never forget the day that I gave in and Karen and I prayed and talked about it and we gave in and said, God, you can have all of us. And so I went into my boss at Freeman and said, hey, I'm going to give you three months notice, but but I'm going to go into full-time ministry. And he goes, you're crazy. He literally thought I was crazy, especially he found out the pay difference. He said, why are you doing this when you got such a good life? And I said, you're right. You guys have been good to me. God has blessed me through Freeman. Man, uh, it, I, I can tell miracle after miracle. But Freeman was a training time for the great life, for the great call that God had put on my life. And we talked a little bit more, but I can never forget when I walked out of the office, he said to me, you will never be able to see the world if you go into the ministry. That's why I wore the shirt today. He said, you'd never see the world. You'll never go to places that, that you could go with us, with them. And he wasn't being mean. Freeman was flying me all over places. They're not all over, but several times have flown me to different places. They always... Uh, put me and my family up in good motels and, and mainly because we didn't hit the beer tab up. And he said, we could, you could take your family if you didn't use the beer tab as much money as the others spend on that. So I could take my family. We went on trips to Arkansas when I was taking college classes down there. The family was in a motel just enjoying the, the life and going to all the sites. And Kansas City, when I was going to school with Freeman, they put my family up. And, and man, there's a pool on the seventh floor. And Joshua never, he always reminds me, that pool was so cool on the seventh floor. New Orleans, I can think of places that they were so good to us. It was a good life. But man, when I gave in to the great life, uh, this shirt again was tailored in Liberia. Uh, It was tailored the last time I went over there to preach. In other words, I followed Jesus preaching the gospel. And along the way, I got some blessings. I would be honest with you, I had to repent 
because I couldn't, I began to remember things that I'd forgotten about on how God had blessed me since I've been in the ministry, the great life. And I'm not saying the great life is just ministry. The great life is whatever God called you to do. We need to move from the good life to the great life. And that doesn't necessarily mean ministry, but, but it could be, if it is sports, you can minister in sports and have the great life. If it is working a job, a local job, you can be the best. That's the advice my dad gave me. My dad said, can't get an eight to five job, sink into family, sink into God and just enjoy life. Man, you could do some great things just being in your calling where God has placed you. Following God is, uh, I, I think that Carson, that one trip, we went, I think we've been to every airport town in Germany, probably. Probably, I know it close. The castle that you see on Walt Disney and you watch their movies, I've been in it and ministered to somebody in it. The place where or one of the apostles was martyred, I've been there in person and able to minister to people around there. Been to Vienna, been to, to Rome, Italy. The pulpit that the Pope preached out the following day of that year, I've stood in front of six hours before and was able to minister to people. Uh, again, I can't remember all the opportunities. Well, two weeks ago, God said, I need you to go to Indianapolis for this deal, this convention. And I went, and while there, we had a great time, but, but Karen and I got to go to Bricktown. Karen and I got to go see the Colts Stadium. In other words, what that man said, what the world will tell us is, the world can give you good things and great things, and that's not true. They may be able to pacify you, but God will give you the great things. And I'm not calling my boss Satan. He's far from it. I believe God put him in my life. But sometimes godly people will say words to us, not to hurt us, but, but they don't want to see us go. And I don't know why I said that today. I wasn't planning on it, but... But we need to press into God and see what God's telling us to do. But I don't think I'm up here bragging at all. Because when the, the memories I have going overseas is ministering to people. Uh, those side trips were awesome and they're great memories. But the fellowship with friends and brothers and those that... Mike, we prayed for and they were healed instantly. Going into the rundown hospitals that you wouldn't even take your, you wouldn't even go to those hospitals. You think you'd do better at home and to pray for people in Albania. Been into Croatia, following the gospel. Gary Dumb's there right now in Liberia. And Father, we ask that you bless Gary while he's in Liberia and he's, he moves into Albania. And Father, giving great wisdom and great protection. And again, Lord, we thank you for being with him in Jesus' name. But look at Gary. He's a farmer. But he moved from the good life to the great life. Still going overseas and ministering the gospel. But it's never too late. 
As I said earlier, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that you should perish, but all should reach repentance. Taking the great life is the last point today. Point number one, the most important priority of taking the great life is salvation. Saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. And so you're moving from the the vain life into the good life. That God, all he asks us believers is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And to love your, your neighbors, yourself. And so we move into that good life and we try our best to do this. But I think a lot of times we don't give into the greatness of life. Meaning when you know what God's telling you to do, but you don't do it. Or when God doesn't continue to be number one in your life, that, that, that I'm not saying you're not going to hell, but I'm just saying that we fight to keep the priority, keep God first. And when we don't, we fall down here and we make bad decisions. And a lot of times the consequences of these bad decisions are dysfunctional families, dysfunctional marriage, uh, dysfunctional jobs. If you take a God got a job God tells you not to or not God's job for you, you're going to be miserable. Eventually, you'll be miserable. But I feel like the Lord has put on my heart, a lot of us feel like we're losing control of our family, our marriages, our lives, and there's a lot of suffering going on about it. And I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me today is that, and this week is that we need to move from the good life to the great life. Meaning we need to stop worrying about these other things and make sure that God is number one all the time. And that's what will move us into the great life. And I believe the scripture showed us how to do this with our families and our friends and in our life. And if the second part of Psalms 127 today, it said, behold, our children are heritage. I want you to remember the word heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Remember reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed, remember that word, is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not put be, shame, be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. And remember, shame and speaks. Well, I just hope I can give justice to what the Lord's putting on my heart with this passage and part of the scripture. But, but arrows, like arrows of a warrior... In those days, arrows were the most important thing for providing and protecting your family. And what I believe the psalmist was saying here is that, yeah, protecting your family and providing for your family is good, but relationships with them and loving them is most important. And I think that that he's reminding us like arrows in the hand of a warrior are our children, our families, because so many times we get caught up in providing and protecting our children that we're gone all the time and they're home alone. And God is saying relationship 
These children are just as important as providing and protecting our children. A lot of our families are dysfunctional because we're not there. Because we think we're doing the right thing by providing and protecting. That's correct, but there's a third ingredient that's more important, and that's loving relationships with our family, with our wives, with our children. Those were the most important things to a man. That was from the throne of God, was your families. He went on to say, heritage, children are a heritage from the Lord. Heritage means valued property, a blessed blessing assigned by God to his people. And that's from a, a I can't remember the commentary, but, but a Hebrew definition. But guys, uh, it's hard for us to say this, but our children are valued property and a blessing assigned to us from God. Did you get that today? They're your property. They're your children. That's from God's word. Don't get mad at me. Children especially don't get mad at me. You're God's blessing and your parents' property. If we looked at children as we do property, we wouldn't have dysfunctional families. I've got a house for sale, and I think we're under contract now, but, but I, I, I know we're under contract now, but I lost at least two, if not three, contracts because of restrictions. And that's okay to each his own. But I believe the Lord told me to buy the property to keep Oakton clean and, and all that, so I put some restrictions on there to do that. But a lot of people would speak to me as it's going to be my property. No one will tell me what I can do with it, period. I lost contracts over it. What if we took that stand with our children and our wives? She's mine, and I love her. You leave her alone. Don't tell me how to do my business with her. What about the children? These are my property, my children. School, don't you tell me what to do. Government, don't you tell me what to do. The Word of God tells me quite clearly what I need to do. Somebody, I don't care. Heritage. Heritage. If we loved our children like we do our new trucks that are spot clean, you put a scratch on them, you're dead. But let, well, they need to make the decision for themselves. Come on. I made dumb decisions. Don't ask mom and dad, but they'd probably agree with. I made some dumb decisions as a kid. They need you. Your parents, they need you, guys. Your kids, you need. I keep saying that backwards. Parents, your kids need you. That's what I wanted to say. Apostle Paul wrote, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. There you go. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life or long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we're seeing it on both sides there. Children, you need to honor and respect your parents, period. But parents, don't, don't provoke your children. Bring them up in the things of God. 
the Lord confirmed that. I was really struggling with all that, and I went to swim at the YMCA. And guys, this is the honest truth. I always check the pool temperature. I don't know why, because it just decides whether I'm going to do this or go okay. But, but it was Psalms 147.3 that day, the exact same scripture. That's how awesome God is, is when you try to walk in that path and do what he called you to do and walk in his greatness, he'll confirm it over and over and over the Hebrew for uh, a definition for blessed by God is the same words to describe Abraham's blessing. So when we go back and we see that in Psalms 47, blessed is the man. Think about that. You're blessed the same as Abraham, which Jesus, what did Jesus do? But he completed the covenant. So you're the same as Christ. You have the same uh, benefits of Christ. Of course, Christ is over us. But, but the blessings that Christ received, we are receiving. And bless is happy, joyous happiness, full of happiness. The next thing, the word I told you to be looking at in here is shame. And this is one that I believe the Lord really jumped out to me later on. But, but the definition for a shame, a shame here is, is be ashamed, be in despair, be confounded, be delayed, be disgraced, be dried up be embarrassed. When we're in the Lord, those things won't happen. We won't be ashamed. And that moves us in to when the world is coming against us, the word speak in Psalms 137 there. Let's go back there and read it so we get our mind refreshed here. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame. When he speaks, there's the speaks, not put to shame. When you speak with the enemies at the gate. What that is saying is, is when you stand for the things of God, you will not be shamed. Because God's going to give you the words to speak that will dumbfound the enemy. Did you get that today? When you stand in the greatness of God, when all the world is opposing you, and you're standing on the words of God, you will not be shamed, ashamed. All these other words that we described to you here a little bit ago, delayed, disgraced, confounded, despaired, dried up, or embarrassed, because the Lord will speak into our situations God will pour the words upon our heart and it will subdue and take authority over the enemies at the gate. Why? The word watches in the scripture today. The definition for watches is to put a hedge about, to guard you, to protect you, to attend to you, to bodyguard, care for you, to keep you, pay attention to you. God watches over you. He puts a hedge of protection around us when we're walking in his will, his greatness. When we're, we're fighting a good life and God's up here one day and he's here this day and we're kind of, it's when we get God out of priorities when we get whacked. But as long as God's in priority, man, you got it. He watches over you. I'm going to leave it at that today. I got so many notes here today. 
we could go on and on forever. But salvation is, is and praise team, I guess come on up, but, but salvation is just putting Jesus as Lord of your life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with his heart one believes and is justified, and with his mouth one confesses and is saved. Once you guys, uh, uh, we make that decision and we step out into things of God, we see these blessings of God that, that again, that he does for us, that he will not let us be shamed. He will speak through us. He watches over us. And all we need to do is stay the course, is stay the course. And I know you hear me say that a lot, but, but last Wednesday night, we had a boy that's just been a man, young man that's been coming to church on Wednesday nights, and, and he's been there three weeks in a row or four, but I noticed Wednesday night, he brought his Bible with him, and, and you can see the Lord is just ministering to him and pulling him in, and, and anyway, Craig was telling me that during the service, Craig was talking about staying and abiding in the vine, and he said, what happens if you get cut from the vine? that you were in the vine and you chose to be cut away. And he interrupts him during the preaching and asks that. And Craig said, you just repent and step back in the vine. Just stay the course. And the kid, again, I believe, reaffirmed his life that night. But a lot of times we feel like the door's been closed on us. We feel like that that that. Things are falling apart around us. Our families are dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional. And the enemy begins to attack our minds. He does that with me. But we begin to just fret a little bit. And the Lord hit me. I was out driving the other day and I was thinking on the doors and closing and all that. And again, when we're in the vine and pressing into God and the greatness of God, he confirms saying, and, and my phone goes off and it says, Karen 9 is stuck. For those that don't know, Karen Nine is our robot sweeper. I named it after my wife. And, and anyway, it texts me, she's stuck. And so I had to go home and, and I go back to town and, and, and I found her. She was behind the door in her bedroom. She had gone into the bedroom and was cleaning and how they do. And, and, and she had pushed the door shut where she couldn't get out. And I thought, God, how great can you be? You're just telling me we feel like the door's shut. And the Lord spoke to me, well, what did I just do with you? Or what did you do here? And I said, oh, I just opened the door, picked the rope up, bought up, and put her on the charger. And he said, God said, it's that simple. When the door closed, text God, I need your help, Lord. Repent and say, recharge me. And he's going to put you on the charger. Stay the course. We get so worried about sports and property and jobs and fame and and all these things, success. But we just need to stay the course. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you'll be fine. And all these other things will come around you. As I was out the other day, my son got me into quite a deal. He landed a job. And again, thinking about staying the course and you heard me up here brag about that I had nothing more than my mowing that I keep a good stripe going. 
And I always brag about the barn up here and, and obstacles to get in my life. And if I just stay the course and just keep following that pattern and don't look at the barn in front of me, don't look at the trees in front of me, just keep going, that when I get around the barn and come up on the other side, my lines will match perfectly. And it always amazes me that if I don't focus on the obstacles and just keep focusing on the path, it's always a straight stripe. Well, son landed a job the other day, and I, I guys, it took us 13 hours with two mowers. But one stretch was over a quarter of a mile, and it was beautiful ground, but it started high, come down low, and was waving hills, and then come out high, on, and you couldn't see the other end, and then add in a bunch of fir trees. And son come up to me, and he said, at 930, he said, Dad, I'm trying to get a picture and I said, why? And I, I, I go, see, Art, he goes, yeah, it's not working, but, but we, we got a straight line here. And I go, yeah, we stayed the course. We couldn't see over the rolling hills. We couldn't see past the fir trees, but we just stayed the course. We held the line, and we had a straight line in the end. But it never fails me. When I look ahead and I didn't used to do this, but the older I get, when I look ahead mowing, I always pull to the right. It just seems to happen the last couple of years. And I can't keep a straight line. But if I just stay the line in front of me, it's going to be okay. For you farmers that farm your rows and, and your corn crops and, and, the, and your disking and whatever you're doing, you got GPS. Why? Because you want to keep the line. You want to hold the line. You want to keep it perfect. And we do that by simply trusting God and his word. When it says it, just do it. Just follow through. Hold the line. But that's my gift as pastor to the church. My gift as pastor to the, the seniors is, man, if you haven't made Jesus, Lord, go from poor to vain into good life, and if you're here today and you're living a good life of salvation, but you're not in the greatness of God, then I want you to move from there. And again, that's whatever God's calling is upon your life because all of us have a calling upon our life. And you think, well, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Just stay the course. My marriage isn't going to work. Yes, it can. Just stay the course. My children are dysfunctional. It will work. Just stay the course. Meaning following and, and applying God's word to your life. Why? Because God looks over you. Why? Because God loves you. He cares for you. Stand to your feet today. Father of God, I ask just wherever we're at in our relationship with you today. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to begin to minister to us. Father, in the direction that, that we may need to go, Father, we may be doing great in you, but, but Father, there's always greater things in you because you love your children and you want to give us all things. Father, you want to give us complete happiness, complete healing, complete all things. But Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit, I already have been praying your Holy Spirit would save lives today. Father, that your Holy Spirit would bring the prodigal back to you today. 
Father, I've already prayed those that are sick would be healed. Father, we've already prayed those that need deliverance will be delivered. Father, let us receive it from you today. And Father, I don't want to forget, Lord, we've been praying that people would move on to the greater things, the calling that they, you have put on their life. Father, if they don't know the calling, Lord, I ask that they'd come and seek it. And Father, that I know you will show it, Lord. Father, you called me at age 12 and I didn't recognize it until 33. Father, I pray that they get onto it quicker. Father, I pray that you're speaking and we know you're speaking to us. Can you, I pray that we hear you and we follow you, that we hold the line. And Father, I believe people are called in here to be disciples. People are called in here to, to we bring others to Christ. People are called in here to be teachers, leaders. People are called in here to be preachers, missionaries. But Father, how have you called us today? And Lord, I ask that you reveal it to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open and I challenge you to come and respond because the Lord is speaking to you today. Come and hear what he has for you. Move from the poor life to the good life, from the good life to the great life. Amen? Please come.